I trust that you've had a pretty good week, even though maybe there's been some funny things going along the way. I know some, some teachers had to deal with stuff, uh, uh, with COVID uh, popping up and, and schools uh, being shut down for a bit. Uh, we navigate this very carefully, don't we? And uh, we, it's, it's something we need to be reminded of, uh, that uh, we, need to be, we need to be cautious. We don't need to be living in fear, though. Remember that. But we need to be cautious and also mindful of those needs of uh, the people around us as well. But uh, in, the, in the last few Sundays, uh, well, of course, Andy spoke and shared when Return Ministries. But the last few Sundays, we've been talking about uh, the word that some might call the E word. So we're getting back into this again, evangelism. Sharing your faith, witnessing. I know Mike's been doing that with his class, his Sunday school class, the Bible discussion class, and uh, been able to explore that, the different ways of uh, sharing your faith. But again, for some reasons, uh, many, I'm sure, some Christians almost never share their faith. It's just something that don't, doesn't come to their mind. They don't share it right out and directly. Uh, some people are so uncomfortable with, the, with evangelism that they should, again, probably call it the E-word and just kind of avoid it. So we'll talk about sharing our faith in ways that hopefully, again, won't lead to discomfort or guilt. This is not a guilt-ridden type of series of messages. This is just a, here it is. This is what you should be doing. And if you're not, you know, pray about it and see if you can find ways to be able to get on board and sharing your faith. Um, but I, I trust that it will lead more to encouragement and empowerment, helping us realize that, yeah, we can do this. We can do this. And hopefully by the end of the series, evangelism won't be that, just that E word in your life anymore. So we're going to look at Romans chapter 8. If you could turn to that, if you haven't yet, in your Bibles or in your Bible app, click to that, whatever you want to do. Romans 8, uh, starting with verse 33. I want to read this portion of Scripture, verses 33 through 39, to remind us again of the hope we have and uh, be reminded of the God we serve. And that will play into what we're going to look at here today. In Romans 8, chapter, uh, chapter 8, verses 33 through 39, says, Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who is he that condemns? Christ Jesus, who died more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We, consider, we are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. I trust just that right there can be uh, speaking volumes to your, to your life right now, and I can say amen, and we can go home <laughs> and probably be good with that. I want to expand on that a bit, though, in sharing today how we might be able to share our faith. Again, for the past couple of weeks, we've been talking about this E word, but if I were to ask uh, how many evangelists are here with us today, 
I, I probably, I would guess, venture, venture to guess that maybe not many hands would, would go up. Uh, evangelists here with us today. Because most of us think the word evangelist always comes after TV or radio or crusade, right? I'm no evangelist. Evangelist conjures up an idea of anything from a gifted orator to an obnoxious, flamboyant preacher. Uh, you think of, when maybe you have those images. The word evangel, though, means the gospel. So an evangelist is really just someone who presents the gospel. So, and here's a little secret. <laughs> All Christians are evangelists. I <laughs> just want you to know that right now. They should be, anyway. And I would imagine that most of us want to be evangelists, someone who presents the gospel, someone who shares their faith. But probably few of us know how to be evangelists. And uh, so today, I'd like to be able to share ways we'd be able to do this. Now, I did a little research on this, and I came across a, a very good website, actually. It was a, a blog that uh, entry article that someone wrote, a guy who, who calls himself the Dude Disciple. <laughs> so I thought, this should be fun. And so I read through the article. Basically, the article is uh, 20 Methods of Evangelism That Every Christian Should Know. I, the, great blog. And I encourage you to look it up. 20 Methods of Evangelism That Every Christian Should Know. And he lists all the different uh, methods, tools of sharing your faith. Now, he doesn't go too extensive in all of them, but uh, you know, be a huge long blog if you did <laughs> for 20 methods. But uh, some of them that he mentioned probably are familiar to you, like the four spiritual laws. Uh, this is uh, done by uh, Campus Crusade for Christ. And the four spiritual laws, God loves you and offers a wonderful plan for your life. Man is sinful and separated from God. Jesus Christ is God's only provision for man's sin. And we must individually receive Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. The four spiritual laws. And that's probably, maybe, maybe you were presented that one day before you were a Christian, and you heard about that. Uh, Billy Graham Evangelistic Association also has training and evangelism explosion. Maybe you've heard that before, too. Uh, I've trained in that as well, and I've, I've led those uh, training sessions a number of times, too. And in that training time, or that tool they have, uh, they give two diagnostic questions that help you figure out uh, where a person is spiritually. And if you've never heard of Evangelism Explosion, or maybe even the two questions, uh, the, the first question is, have you come to a spiritual place in your life where you know for certain that if you were to die today, you'd go to heaven? So are you certain you're going to be going to heaven, basically, is the question. And then the person gives the answer, because you're asking this question to this person, and the person gives an answer, yes or no. And then before you present or share the gospel, then you ask a second question to kind of confirm where this person is putting their trust in. Because the second question is, if you were to stand before God and he were to ask you, why should I let you into my heaven, what would you say? And so you get an idea of what, where they're putting their trust in. Is it works? Is it just I'm a good person? Is it, or is it I trust Jesus Christ? So you figure out what's going on. And in those two questions, then you can continue on and presenting the gospel to them. And they have a, an outline of how you can do that if you want as well. But Evangelist Explosion was one of them too that was listed there. Uh, Steps to Peace with God, another Billy Graham Evangelistic Association publication. Steps to Peace with God, a little pamphlet that says God's plan is peace in life. Our problem is separation. Uh, God's remedy is the cross. 
and resurrection, and our response is to receive Christ. Now, you can probably see in all these different methods, if you looked up this blog, the 20 methods, they all have that same theme. Uh, God's plan, who we are, the situation that we have, the problem, how God solved that problem, and what we do to be able to enter into that solution. Uh, it all comes in that kind of same format. Uh, Becky and I have used many times in the VBS for children the, the five-finger method. And I don't know if you've heard of it before as well, too, or not, but God is love. Use the thumb. God's great. God is love. And then uh, we, have, we have sinned. So use this finger. You, you know, you've heard this. Parents go, no, no, no. Uh, you have sinned. And then the cross. Jesus died on the cross using that, that finger, uh, and then, uh, of course, using the other two fingers with it, or you get in trouble. So uh, Jesus, Jesus died on the cross, and then uh, receiving Jesus as your Savior, because we receive on a, our finger, ring finger, we receive the ring there, so Jesus, uh, we need to receive him as our Savior, and then we grow in our faith, because our pinky finger is really weak, we need to grow in our faith and, and get strong in the Lord, and when, when we do that, then we grow in him. Five-finger method and sharing your faith that way. The wordless book is another thing that we've done, too, with VBS, especially over at Multnomah. And uh, uh, it's a book that has the five colors, five different colors. The gold page, talking about heaven being a wonderful place. The dark page, talking about how you were born sinful. The red page, how Jesus died for your sin. The white page, on how to be cleansed from sin. And then the green page, as we grow as a Christian. So there's a lot of different ways of doing that. And in my research and looking up the different things like that, uh, going from that article, article, I also looked up uh, through, uh, uh, well, I didn't look it up, I just clicked on it, is WikiHow. And I don't know if you've gone to the websites of those before, but I've used WikiHow. Uh, it's a website. It's a name of a website. And it's, it tells you how to do certain things. I've learned how to open up my laptop and, and insert a new hard drive or also replace a, 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 a RAM card in it as well, a memory card in it. There's a lot of different things. They give you a step-by-step -step process. Well, they also so happen to have 14 steps how to evangelize. Now, this isn't a Christian website in any way, and I found that to be kind of interesting, and they take you from basically planning all the thing, things out and preparing yourself and then all the way out to the 14 steps to finally praying with that person. I thought, wow, this is interesting. And I found it very, very interesting. At the end, usually if you look up an article on WikiHow, they also have other things called related articles at the bottom of the, uh, the page website. And on the bottom of this page was other related articles and in the article was how to deal with religious people if you are an atheist. <laughs> I thought, that's interesting. How to share your faith in 14 steps, and then, of course, <laughs> those people can counteract that. But anyway, the one we're going to focus on today, and you probably already see it in your bulletin there, is called the Roman Road. And maybe you're familiar with it, maybe not. That's what I'd like to be able to share with you today. Uh, maybe you've heard the saying, all roads lead to Rome, it comes from the fact that Rome built straight, durable roads connecting most of Europe and parts of Asia. So all roads then would lead to Rome in some way. And the Roman road we're talking about today is a simple way to present the gospel using scriptures only from the book of Romans. And you probably have this plan already. Uh, uh, that's great. This can confirm that for you or maybe give you maybe a little something different because everyone uses it in different ways or puts a little something in there from, from 
somehow to be able to uh, personalize it. And you can do that as well, too. But uh, the idea here, though, in the book of Romans, Paul gave us a great roadmap that leads to salvation. Now, I encourage you to take some notes if you want to in your bulletin. You can write some of these things down. Uh, if you haven't noticed yet, the bright orange insert there, a little bookmark for you. You can follow that as well, too. And that's for you to take home and to keep it with you. If you want to somehow keep it with you in a way to be able to use this, you sure can. And again, this is obviously something not original to me. Um, something that, of course, has been passed around many, many years but uh, so this might feel a little bit more of like an academic type of teaching time, but uh, it's also, I trust, will be inspirational because I'm going to be sharing, presenting the gospel. And who knows, maybe someone online, someone's going to click on this uh, link and, and watch this video, and maybe they also, too, might be able to um, realize their need in some way. But uh, today, though, we'll look at this. We'll start down this Roman road by looking at Two verses in chapter 3, and they're listed there in that bookmark with you there. And we're going to look at, it's, it basically presents our condition. In Romans chapter 3, verse 10, it says, It is written, there is none righteous, not even one. In Romans chapter 3, verse 23, it says, All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So basically, that's the bad news. <laughs> our condition is the bad news. We don't tend to use words, though, like righteous or even sin in everyday conversation. So there, that might need a little explanation at times for some people. Righteous, of course, means being right with God, and sin means falling short of perfection. A lot of people don't think of themselves as sinners. I'm just, I'm a good person. I haven't done anything horrible. People t tend to think of a, of a sinner as someone who is morally depraved, a, a dangerous and violent person, or, or just plain old disgusting. Uh, and so they'll label that in some way as a sinner. They figure they, they are not that bad. I'm not like that other person on TV that did all those horrible things or whatever. So they justify where they're at. But nobody in their right mind thinks, though, that they're perfect. I, I would think no one would raise their hand if I were to call on you as, you know, do you think you're perfect? Raise your hand. Uh, <laughs> although there's in Scripture, and the King James Version, Marlene will uh, appreciate this because her son usually used this a lot, says, um, mark a perfect man. And it's in King James, so it's a mark or notice, but he says mark, and Mark Perky would use that and say, mark a perfect man. So I'm perfect. Anyway, uh, you can use Bible if you want, but that might not work that way. But uh, anyway, no one is perfect in that way. And if you're not perfect in every action, every word, or every thought, then the Bible describes you as a sinner. Jesus said, be perfect as your Father in heaven is perfect. But perfection, uh, um, but is perfection a realistic goal? I mean, we think about it and we think, we're not gonna be how can we reach perfection? And it's, it's in a performance type of way. How can we perform in a perfection type of way? Uh, think of it this way. If you shoot an arrow at a target, the bullseye is your goal. You might feel pretty good about yourself if you just hit the target. I know I would feel pretty good if I just hit the target. But in archery, the only perfect shot is a bullseye. And according to Scripture... Uh, 
Everyone, without exception, falls short of the mark. You're either perfect with every shot or you are flawed. We are all flawed. Show me the basketball player who never fouls and makes every free throw. Show me the baseball player who never strikes out and always gets a hit at every bat. At, at bat. Show me the football player who never fumbles and always makes a touchdown every time he gets the ball. Show me the golfer who makes a hole-in-one every time he tees off. There's no one perfect, not even one. Everyone is flawed. Everyone is a sinner. And then look at what Romans 6, verse 23, says about the consequence of sin. It says the consequence of sin. The wages of sin is death. Wages of sin is death. The deadliest killer in this world isn't heart disease. It's not cancer. It's not AIDS. It's not war. It's not even COVID. Sin is the epidemic that no one can avoid. There's no masking mandate that's going to keep us from that. No social distancing that's going to keep us from that. And sin sickness is always terminal. There are no exceptions. That's our condition. Which brings us then to God's solution. Of course, though, if we stopped there before this, the Roman road would be pretty much a dead end. Everyone would be living in their sin and with no hope. But Romans 6.23 immediately takes a life-saving turn. If you looked it up in your Bible, you saw, wait, there's more to that verse. Yes, there is. The wages of sin is death. But if you read the next portion of that, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Bad news? Good news. Romans 5.8 also explains God demonstrates his own love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So that leaves uh, no one behind. While you were still sinners, before you even knew Christ, Jesus died for you. And we need to keep that in mind if we think we're not good enough or no one loves me. No, you know what? Someone does love you. <laughs> he died for you. Now, I want you to put yourself in the middle of a disaster movie. Just imagine yourself in a disaster movie, whatever one you can think of, and, uh, and pretend you've just learned that a giant meteor will, will destroy the continental United States next week. So by next week, it's going to be all gone. History destroyed. All transportation is out of commission. The government can't help. The military can't help. It's every man and woman for him and herself. And there's only one way to be saved, and that is to swim to Hawaii. That's how you can be saved. Swim to Hawaii. Now everyone then lines up on the coast. Olympic swimmers are there. They stand next to people from the seaside retirement home as well. And some start out strong. Others can barely totter in, uh, into the surf before going under. But no one is going to make the 2,500-mile journey on their own. In the end, even the strongest will be just as dead in the water as the weakest. In the same way, none of us are going to make it to heaven on our own. That's why Jesus came to save us. When Jesus died on the cross for our sins, he built that bridge that can get us there. This bridge is available for anyone and everyone because it's free of charge. But it does no good unless you choose to walk across it. You can look at the bridge and say, that's cool, that's neat, and keep on swimming to Hawaii. Or try. 
The idea is that that bridge is right there for everyone and anyone free of charge. You got to choose. Which brings us to the next moment of this is that we have our response. We need to respond to what Jesus has done. You see, similar to that free bridge, Jesus offers salvation as a free gift. But it does no good unless you choose to accept the gift. It's like Christmas time and your parents bring you a, a, a big, gigantic gift wrapped up and just the perfect gift. And they're saying you wanted this all and you can't, you can't remember what, what you wanted all these, year, these years. And here it is inside this gift. It's yours. You'll, you'll enjoy it so much. And the gift is right there. And they say, all you have to do is open it up, see what it is. And you go, eh, no, I, I don't think I'm going to. But boy, I can't wait. But I'm not going to open it up. And your parents are going, why not? I got this gift for you. It's, it's for you. It's, it's, good. it's great. It's perfect for you. Yeah, thank you. I'm just going to keep it right there in the, in the box. It looks pretty like it is. Thanks. And you never open it. Some people go through life. As Jesus has offered salvation for them, some people never open up that gift. They have to choose to receive it. They have to choose to open up that gift and receive what Jesus is giving them. A response is required, which brings us again back to our Roman road. Romans chapter 5, verse 1 since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We have peace. We've been justified. Receive that. <laughs> A lot of people go, that's great. That's wonderful. That's not for me. Yeah, it is. <laughs> it's for everyone. It's for everyone. So our first response in all of this should be faith. Faith. Putting our trust in God. People have all kinds of fuzzy definitions for the word faith. For some, it is a vague kind of positive thinking, like my faith will get me through. Or the question is, uh, your, your faith in what? <laughs> what? What faith is this that's going to get you through? And to stick with the analogy of the bridge, it would be, again, like someone saying, my faith will get me through while they ignore the bridge and keep on treading water. I know it's there, and it's great, but I know what I'm doing. I can keep going. For some, faith is more specific. They may say, I believe in God. They may even say, I believe Jesus is the Son of God. But they're like the swimmer who says, yeah, I, I believe there's a, there's a great, big, impressive bridge right over there. Uh, and then they just keep struggling to swim on by. A lot of people struggle and just swim on by. They, they believe there's a God. They believe there's, there was Jesus maybe the Son of God, but they don't put their trust in Him for eternal life. Saving faith means getting out of the water and walking on that bridge, putting your trust in what Jesus has done for us. It is the kind of trust that leads to action, and saving faith will always lead to change. In Romans chapter 2, verse 4, it gives this warning. It says, Do you show contempt for the riches of God's kindness? Tolerance and patience, not realizing that his kindness leads you toward repentance. A lot of people have just rejected God's kindness in this way. But our response needs to be faith. Putting our trust in Jesus Christ alone for eternal life. He's the one who's done it. He's provided the bridge 
that gaps uh, the, you know, our, our, our situation to his solution. And then our next response should be repentance. Repentance, turning away from sin. It's one thing to say, okay, I believe that Jesus died on the cross for my sins. I, good. Well, you need to respond in a way where you show you receive that. And that way is to repent. Saving faith leads to repentance. Repentance simply means turning away from our sins. 180 degree. You're going this way in your life, and you were doing your own thing. It wasn't working out. It, it kind of looked good for you, but it wasn't really working out as, as best as you thought it could. And something was missing, and you found out that, oh, wait, Jesus can't come into my life and, and, and bring me that peace and comfort, but he also offers eternal life. And I can receive that. And so you turn from what you were doing, the ways you were doing, and turn towards Jesus and what he's done for you, providing that way for your life. The answer to your situation, turning toward our Savior. It's a conscious decision to trust and obey. Just like that old hymn says, trust and obey for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. And the next response then should be confession. Confession, calling out to God. Romans 10, verses 9 and 10 says that if, if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you confess and are saved. And then also Romans 10, verse 13 says, Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So, one verse tells us we need to do these things, confess with our mouth. And the other one says, when you do that, you're going to be saved. Confession turns thought into action. That's what that does. We can have all these thoughts and ideas but if we don't confess, then they just remain thoughts and ideas. They put it into action. Confession lets, others, confession lets others know what has been happening inside our minds and our hearts. And confession is a public commitment, letting people know this is where I'm at and this is what God has done. Have you ever you've been to a wedding and, and uh, the pastor then says, will you take this woman to be your lawfully wedded wife? And the groom answered, uh, you know, I do. But what would happen if you heard that and all of a sudden the groom said, hey, that's none of your business. <laughs> this is a private thing between me and her. What are you talking to me about these things? I'm just talking with her. That would never do. <laughs> no vows being given. No wedding, <laughs> really. If the vows aren't there. Vows are to a wedding that confession is to salvation. When we confess with our mouth. When you take Christ as Savior, you can't keep it a secret. I don't know about you, but I remember the, the, the day and the night, actually, in the, in the service that happened over at Camp Baker. When I received Christ as my Savior, I couldn't keep quiet. I was, I was a silly, giddy little, you know, little, yeah, short, uh, but a <laughs> senior after, after high school. I graduated from high school, and it was the summer of my senior year, so I was just silly. I wanted everybody to know, and you know, you just you just can't keep quiet. You can't keep it a secret. With your heart, you believe, and with your mouth, you confess, resulting in salvation. And then another response to this is baptism. 
is baptism, really, identifying with Christ. In Romans chapter 6, verse 3, 3 through 5, it gives a wonderful description of another action associated with saving faith. Don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. We have been united with him in his death. We will certainly also be united with him in his resurrection. Baptism. In baptism, we identify with, with the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus. And baptism is a picture of the salvation story. Going under the water represents the death of our, our, our old life. And then just as Christ was raised from the dead, we come up out of the water to live a new life. Baptism marks that, that line of separation between our old life and our new life. It isn't salvation, but it is an identification with Christ. Look at what the book of Romans tells us about the old and new life. Chapter 5 talks about we were children of Adam's race. Now we are members of God's family. Chapter 6 says we were slaves of sin. Now we are servants of Christ. Chapter 7 in Romans says we were married to the law, but now we are part of the bride of Christ. And chapter 8 says we had the mind on, on the flesh. Now we have the mind on the spirit. There's a change. There's a point in time where it signifies that change, that moment where you've gone from the old life to the new life. If you're a follower of Jesus and haven't been baptized, you should. You should because, you know, Jesus was baptized. Of all the people, you think, why would he be baptized? He needed to be baptized in order to begin his ministry and uh, and, and move forward that. So we, out of obedience, should also be baptized. If it was good, good enough for Jesus, it should be good enough for us. But also, too, it's a witness. A witness to people. I mean, you can make your decision to, to receive Christ as your Savior and then keep it a secret, I guess. That's up to you, but it really doesn't make any sense. And so then if you make that decision, the best way... Is, that, is to be able to be baptized. And people come to your baptizing time and be able to do that and see what change has happened. Because baptism is that outward expression of an inward change. What went on inside of you? Something changed? Something happened? And it could be even your walk with Christ. You know, I've discovered Jesus in a deeper relationship. I've never been baptized. And I want people to know about what has happened with me, what God has done for me. It's a, it's a tool of witnessing in a way, as well, too. But baptism is not the end of it, of course. It is a, it is a beginning. We're not just believers in Christ. We are his followers. And so we should be following him daily. This brings us to that next response, which is following Jesus, living the new life. So you have that demarcation of when it happened, your new life, now you need to live it. Romans 12, verse 1 says, Therefore I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. So baptism is a, is a, is a beautiful way to offer your body as a living sacrifice. You believe with your heart, you confess with your mouth, and in baptism you offer all of yourself to God, spirit, soul, and body. 
Also, too, we've, we've had moments where people would come and consecrate, consecrate themselves to God, come to the altar, and they would give their lives to the Lord in that way, saying yes to whatever God has for their lives. That's living in the new life as well, too. Whatever God says, you say, you, you go ahead and follow. If he tells you to go here, you go there. If, you, if he says do this, you, you go ahead and do that. You obey him. You, you follow what he says. And you keep on offering yourself to God every day from that point on, living in that relationship with Jesus. Romans 12, verse 2 says, Do not conform any longer to the pattern of the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. Our life of faith involves renewal of our minds back to God by, by offering ourselves to God as, as the living sacrifices. So we, we avoid what the world is trying to press in on us for. And, and I'm sure you've felt that struggle. I'm sure you've felt the, the world pressing in on you a number of times. Just keep Romans 12, too, in your mind about that. Because that will guide you and help you understand we need to be renewed in our minds every day through Scripture so that we are continuing to be renewed each day. And as we do that, then we, we, we keep that journey with Christ fresh before us and we look forward to how we can grow deeper with that relationship with him and be used by him in someone else's life. In fact, Romans 12 is a great piece of scripture to read over and over again for instruction in Christian living. That whole chapter, if, you, if you've never read that before, it's kind of familiar to you, read it over and over again. It's great instructions there for Christian living. A good chapter to commit to memory. Then our final stop on the Roman road tells us about the promises of God for everyone who will accept the offer, his offer of salvation. So we look at God's promises in Romans chapter 8, verse 1. It says, Therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Right there is the best news ever. No more condemnation. If you are in Christ Jesus, he does not condemn you. He has saved you. He's paid the price. There is no condemnation left for you once you accept Jesus as your Savior. None of us uh, follow Jesus perfectly, even after he, he saves us, but you don't need to wonder if you really belong to God. The one thing about uh, the evangelical explosion, one part of that, that, that tool or that method, is at the end, you help them be able to uh, be assured of their decision. You pray for that, actually. And you help them try to understand it's not going to be kind of a, a feeling all the time, but that it's true, that if you, if you pray and, and you believe and, and you confess and repent, that Jesus does come in and he does uh, clean you up from the inside. You are his child then. And so we try to somehow be able to bring some assurance in their life. And, and so then at the end of sharing the, the gospel with them, you ask those two questions again that were asked before and, and, and see where they're at and help them understand, again, it's not just a feeling, but there, there's the assurance from Scripture that lets us know that when we do these things, this is what God promises us. And so there's no more condemnation in our lives as we are from, from God as we are a, a child of His. He saves us. We, we don't... We don't put trust, though, in ourselves. We, put, we place all our trust in him. That's why there's no more condemnation. 
We depend on him, and he is for us. Now, you, before you might be thinking, oh, so I'm eternally secure, and I can do anything I want. No, 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 no. <laughs> no. When you make that decision, though, with Christ, nothing's going to take that away. Remember what we read in chapter 8. Nothing's going to take that away but you. Your decision. You could choose to fall away. You could choose to go your own way. But if you are living in Christ and you're, you, you, you know you have his, his love in your life and his, his saving grace and you're trusting him for eternal life, nothing's going to take that away. We shouldn't be scared or afraid of, oh, no, what should, what, if I do something wrong, I'm, uh, no, <laughs> no. No condemnation. Remember that. Remember that. That's why there's so many times that at youth camps, we got young people coming to the altars every night, and it's usually the same people every night because they, they, they go, well, I, I did it on Monday, and I'm not quite, you know, I got to come again Tuesday, and well, then I got to come again Wednesday because I'm not quite sure. And they don't get the concept that, no, you receive Christ as your Savior, you're good. But all these other things get brought up, and you know, Satan's going, well, what about this? What about that? And they don't remember, they don't, they're not mindful of the fact that if God has saved them, Jesus has paid the price, it is done once for all. <laughs> now, walk in that way. Live for Jesus. And so, the same way, too, there's no condemnation once you accept Jesus as your Savior. You don't have to wonder if you really belong to God because it's really not up to you, <laughs> really. It's up, to, it's up to God, and he accepts you. He receives you when you trust Jesus Christ for eternal life. We depend on him, and he is for us. Look in Romans chapter 8, verse 31. If God is for us, who can be against us? He who spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, will he not also with him freely give us all things? We no longer have to worry or wonder if God is on your side. He is. He is. He is always on your side. He's always on my side. And next time you feel anxious, next time you feel hopeless, uh, defeated, remember that God is on your side. God is for you. Remember that one. Romans chapter 8 is so full of encouragement as well. It's, it's well worth reading and memorizing as well. In fact, uh, I challenge you to do that this week. Read it over and over again every day this week. If you start today and read it again next Sunday morning, you can read Romans 8, eight times <laughs> and be reminded of what's in there and, again, be encouraged. I also want to challenge you to become an evangelist. Become an evangelist. Take these uh, Roman Road notes, the bookmarks there that is uh, inside your bulletin there, those of you who are online, if you want one of these, we can make this available as well, too. Um, try to get uh, Sydney or Jake to post it up as a PDF or something like that, and you can uh, download that part as well. But uh, the Roman Road Notes, you take that with you and, and use them to plan your own way of presenting the gospel. Again, this is one of many ways. that the One website said there's 20 methods. You look that one up and see which ones do you want to use that way as well. But you don't need to say everything I said this morning. Choose illustrations you want to use. Mark the scriptures in your Bible if you want as well, or write them on a piece of paper that you can carry with you. You never, you never know when an opportunity to present the gospel might come your way. We need to be ready. We need to be ready to give an answer to anyone who asks, right? And let them know why we have this hope. 
And I hope all of you are traveling the Roman road. Those who are with us online as well, too. I trust that you are traveling that Roman road. But uh, if you're not, have you realized that you need a Savior? You realize that God calls your name? Do you realize that uh, he offers that gift of salvation, eternal life, freely? Do you understand that God is offering you salvation freely through faith in Jesus Christ? If you haven't received Christ as your Savior, you've heard already what God has done for us. And it's up to you to respond. And if you need to respond, uh, of course, we've got an altar here for anybody who wants to pray about that. But those who are online as well, too, you can create that altar right there and pray. And let God know where you're at. And be reminded that he has provided a way. I trust that as you go to prayer, that you'll either be praying, Lord, help me be evangelist. Help me be able to share my faith. Help me be bold. Help me be courageous. Help me to remember that uh, you go before me and prepare the way. You give me the words to say. I don't have to be a great orator. I just need to tell them what, what you've done for me, Lord. Maybe you're praying that. Give me opportunities. Help me to be bold. Maybe you're praying today just the simple prayer of, Lord, save me. I need you as my Savior. And that could be your prayer. If that is your prayer, I trust that you will, you will be assured that God hears your prayer. And he will answer it as well. Maybe you're at the crossroads today, and if that is the case, don't miss your chance to respond to the gospel message because it has been presented to you today. <laughs> and for you to respond, it, it demands a response. It demands a response. I'm going to invite Annie and Don to come on up. Uh, of course, we'll have Ron join us as well, too. Lead us in the last few songs, and if you, you need to respond to God's message for you today in some way, again, those who are online, just find that spot there for you to be able to pray. Uh, those who want to come and pray at the altar, you sure can as well. However, the Holy Spirit's been speaking to your heart. I pray that you would be acting in obedience to what God has for you today. And as we sing these last two, two songs, I trust that God will continue to speak to your heart in incredible ways.